Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Scripture Uncovered. As you may have noticed, Scripture Uncovered has been off the air for almost a year. The reason for that is COVID-19, which on March 13th, 2020, Friday the 13th, ironically, everything stopped. All live classes ended, all teaching tours ended, everything stopped. And that posed a gigantic challenge. How do we continue teaching the Word of God if we can't have live classes, we can't travel to Israel, Turkey, Egypt, and so on? How do we continue? Well, the only way we could think of to continue was to take everything online. And doing so enables a global reach. And that's been an extraordinary thing over the past year. LogosBibleStudy.com is now a membership site. For $19.95 per month, the benefits you receive as a Logos member is access to the entire course catalog, 22 university-level online courses spanning the entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation. In addition, each academic quarter, we have a featured course, a course in which you watch two videos each week. And then on Saturday morning from 10 a.m. until noon Pacific time, we have an online seminar on the two lessons that you watched during that previous week. In addition to that, every Tuesday and Thursday from 11 a.m. till noon Pacific time, I have open office hours where you can drop in on a Zoom session and we can talk about anything you would like to talk about, about the classes, questions you might have, uh, anything at all. It enables us to create community and that's working very nicely. Our feature course, by the way, this quarter, which began last week, is the story of King David, my favorite story in all the Bible to teach. We had the first two lessons and our first Saturday seminar this past week, and now we're moving into lessons three and four for this week. So join us in the featured course, The Story of King David. So we have the entire course catalog of 22 university-level courses going all the way through the Bible, including the Deuterocanonical books, a featured course each quarter, weekly office hours, and a brand new Logos Bible Study online forum where you can ask questions, find answers, connect with our community, now global around the world, and anytime, day or night, get onto the forum and chat with your fellow students. You also have, now that travel is back, we're heading for, we went to Egypt in January, Israel in March, Oberammergau, Germany in May, and we're headed back to Israel in late October, early November of 2022. So now that travel is back, you as a Logos Bible Study member have priority registration for all of the teaching tours. And they fill very quickly, as most of you know, but you will have priority registration. So become a member today. 
$19.95 a month gives you unlimited access to everything that Logos Bible Study has, huh, including time with me during office hours and our online Saturday seminar on the feature course. So I want to make that announcement right here at the beginning. Now, in relaunching Scripture Uncovered, I sent out emails to all of our students, our entire mailing list, asking for topics that you might want to hear about on the Resurrected Scripture Uncovered podcasts. And I had a lot of answers. Many of them ask about the Bible itself. How do we get the Bible that we have? And why do some Bibles have 66 books while others have 73 books and others have even more than 73 books? How did all that come about? And that's what I'd like to talk about over the next few podcasts. So welcome today to podcast number 161, which I've titled simply The Bible Part One. Now, in our Logos Bible Study courses, we teach, as you know, through the entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation, meeting for two hours weekly across four 10-week academic quarters each year. And doing that takes a little over seven years to complete the entire Bible. It's a big commitment. And thousands of Logos students have made the journey with me over the years. And during all that time, We've worked through what I would call the common canon of Scripture, the 39 books of the Hebrew Scriptures, or the Old Testament, and the 27 books of the New Testament, the books that all Roman Catholics, Protestants, and Orthodox Christians accept as the inspired Word of God. Now, in our full course catalog, we include the seven deuterocanonical books as well. And those are books accepted by Roman Catholic and Orthodox Christians, but removed by most Protestants since the early 16th century. Now, wait a minute, you might say. I thought there was only one Bible with one set of books. What's all this Deutero stuff? Orthodox Bibles have even more books, 51 in the Old Testament, along with the 27 in the New. So, you might be confused by all that. If the Bible is the inspired Word of God, either a book is inspired or it's not. Didn't God put those books there in the first place? Well, in a manner of speaking, he did. But to understand how he did so, we need to understand how the canon of Scripture was formed. Not a canon boom, but a canon, well, the word derives from the Greek for a measuring rod or standard. In a society, for example, a canon is a set of standards considered to be cultural norms, the rules, if you will, by which a society of any type, civil, professional, or religious, functions. The formation of a society's canon, be it oral or written, is a cultural phenomenon, a natural societal process. For much of human history, a group's values, ideals, and normative behavior were defined, expressed, and passed on from one generation to the next through story, ritual, and behaviors that were either praised or condemned. Over time, 
such stories, rituals, and behaviors took on form and shape, gradually becoming a group's moral, ethical, and religious foundation, a foundation that expressed the group's core values and norms, a foundation upon which a society was built. And importantly, all such foundational values and norms in pre-literate societies were defined, expressed, and passed on orally by word of mouth. For written language did not yet exist for those societies. The ancient Greek culture is a perfect example, and Homer's Iliad serves as its best paradigm. The Iliad tells the tale of the Trojan War, a 10-year siege of the city of Troy by the Achaeans, a coalition of Greek states led by Agamemnon, king of Mycenae. As many of you know, I've taught the Iliad more than a few times. Some of you have taken the course with me. Now, traditionally, the Trojan War took place 1184 to 1175 BC, consistent with the burning of Troy 7 at the archaeological site of Troy in western Turkey. For many centuries, readers assumed that Homer wrote the Iliad shortly after the Trojan War. But in fact, as Harvard classic scholar Milman Perry demonstrated in the 1920s, the poem was first composed and performed orally until the 8th century BC, when it was finally written down. The Iliad's structure, its use of stock epithets like the swift runner Achilles, even when he's sitting still, or laughter-loving Aphrodite, even when she's painfully wounded and weeping. The reiteration of words, phrases, and verses, the rigid use of dactylic hexameter rhythmic schemes are all characteristic of oral poetry in a preliterate society. Yet, Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey served as the most influential canon for educated Greek speakers of the Hellenistic world, along with the works of Euripides, Menander, and Demosthenes, of Hesiod, Pindar, and Sappho, Aeschylus, Sophocles, Aristophanes, Herodotus, Thucydides, and Aesop. They all served as prime examples of the genres and basic modes of cultural life philosophy, epic, drama, poetry, and history. It was not a religious canon, to be sure, but the works of these authors expressed, and one might even say enshrined, the fundamental values of Greek society and culture for hundreds of years. Canons are common in every art and discipline. Today, for example, we have inherited the canon of Western concert hall music, enshrining Bach, Beethoven, Brahms, what I call the killer bees, Haydn, Handel, Vivaldi, Mozart, Mendelssohn, Mahler, Tchaikovsky, Verdi, and Wagner. Go to any concert hall and you'll hear one or more of these composers performed. Rarely will you hear 20th century, 21st century composers like David Del Tredici, George Crumb, George Rochberg, or Peter Maxwell Davies. The canon of Western concert hall music, for the most part, 
has been closed for more than a century. Why a modern-day composer needs a bazooka to break into it. Literary canons offer another example. For generations, Chaucer, Shakespeare, Milton, Dunn, Herbert, Vaughan, Byron, Shelley, Keats, Dickens, Trollope, Hardy, they're all staples of university English literature programs. Every undergraduate and graduate student study them, and I've taught many of them. But not so today. Many of the formerly required courses that included writers from the established canon have been replaced by gender studies, imperial, transnational, and post-colonial studies, and interdisciplinary studies. Now, I'm sure there are plenty of excellent writers working in these categories who are well worth reading. But come on, should they really replace Chaucer, Shakespeare, and Milton? Oh, don't get me started. A canon, be it in music, literature, or scripture, does not come into being because it's declared from on high. No one can declare a work canonical if it has no canonical pedigree. One can only affirm a work's canonical status because it's already been accepted as canonical by consensus. So that's the flaw in requiring such politically correct literature courses. They were placed there in the curriculum by political pressure and by the powers that be. And they will surely meet an early demise unless they make it into the canon on their own literary merit. And by the consensus of educated readers over time. So the point is this. Canons emerge. They're not declared. No canon is forever fixed. And all canons are in constant flux, although the pace Maybe glacial. So, now you understand how literary and musical canons developed. But how do religious canons develop and become viewed as sacred texts? And that's the topic of our next Scripture Uncovered. Hey, it's good to be back with you, gang. Do have a look at LogosBibleStudy.com, our, our new iteration of the website. And by all means, become a member, a Logos Bible Study member, part of the community, part of what now is fast becoming a global community. So really good to be back with you, and stay tuned for the next episode of Scripture Uncovered, how religious canons develop and become viewed as sacred texts. Thank you, gang. Bye now.